0: Welcome back to the True Transformation Podcast. This is your host, Josiah Novak. Today, I have a very, very important guest on the show. His name is Mike Milner, and he is the author of The Personality Diet. Uh, He's also the host of Mind Over Macros podcast. Mike is actually a good friend of mine, despite the fact that he's an Eagles fan. Uh, We still happen to be friends, but Mike is one of the few guys in the industry that I recommend people check out and he's a fellow coach, fellow nutrition expert. Uh, He's been around the block in terms of diets, exercise, training programs, he knows his stuff. The guy has been there, done that, he's helped thousands of people, transform their lives and uh, his business is thriving with just an enormous amount of success stories. And Mike just recently came out with the book, Personality Diet, so I wanted to get him on the show to talk about how our individual and unique personalities affect how we should diet, how we should exercise, and ultimately how we should set up a health and fitness plan that we can sustain for the rest of our lives. Mike's a good, good friend. Make sure you go check him out on Instagram, coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. You can check out his book, personalitydietbook.com. I have a copy. It's badass, so definitely go grab a copy for yourself. Without further ado, let's jump into the podcast with Mike Milner. Welcome to the True Transformation Podcast with your host, me, Josiah Novak. Welcome to the podcast. Here's my daddy, Josiah Novak. What's up, Mike? Dude, welcome back to the podcast, man
1: yeah thanks for having me on i appreciate it
0: yeah absolutely you you've uh you officially become a, a published author uh over the past couple of weeks right what's what's uh the title of the book and and what's uh what's it about
1: yeah so it's called the personality diet uh just got published so it's a pretty surreal feeling and i know that you know where i'm coming from having been uh, you know being a published author yourself uh and and really the whole thought process behind the book, why I wanted to do it, uh, is just that I got really tired of hearing the kind of battle between like nutrition camps. It's like, there's this constant message from the diet industry about like what diet is best with a total, you know, kind of disregard for the individual variants that exists, you know, as you know, we're all so different. So to try and pull people in different directions as far as well, you know, should you be doing keto? Should you be doing vegan? Should you be doing, you know, macros, whatever, um, all these different kind of diet, you know, I call, you know, nutrition ideologies. And a lot of that has to do with my own personal journey, like this whole process. Typically, when we like create content, we write and it's usually we're writing it for a former version of ourselves. And that that was definitely my, my reality. Uh, so I spent years, uh, trying to figure out what diet was going to work best for me. and, And it was a lot of frustration because I always landed in a worse spot than when I started. Uh, and, and it was the psychological damage that really stuck out more than the physiological, uh, constantly questioning myself constantly feeling like a failure like why am i seeing other people succeed and yet i'm over here starting back at square one over and over again and i just kept you know i was in that cycle for a really long time Uh, the better part of a decade actually before i finally just realized like i can figure this out and and really went heavy on educating myself and then obviously becoming, uh, you know, I, I started as a trainer and then uh, I was just always passionate on the nutrition side because I felt like that was the biggest hiccup for me. I, I just spent so many times uh, dieting and rebounding and then uh, restricting and binging. And I've, I've literally been on every end of the spectrum of disordered eating that you can imagine. Uh, so yeah, that was like really the, my whole purpose behind the book, the project. It was just my own journey and then seeing so many other people suffer in the same way. And I just wanted to help, you know, provide a resource that kind of cleared the air as to we yeah. shouldn't be talking about what diet is best, we should be looking at it through our own individual lens as to what diet fits us best as individuals.
0: Yeah, I love that, man. It it's, it's really well in line with what I talk about. Uh, because we all are different, right? I mean, we, we have different histories, we have different beliefs, we have different environments, like, the list goes on and on, right? So there's a lot of things that prevent us from fitting into that like perfect cookie cutter uh, diet, right? Method that you see all over the place. Like there's always a new one popping up every year. I literally just saw one yesterday. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but it's actually true. People are following uh, carnivore, but they're eating raw carnivore. So it's oh, like now God. it's like not not enough to just eat meat and eggs, but now it's like they have to all be raw. And I'm like, this is like this is getting weird now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Weird. Yeah.
1: Nothing really surprises me anymore either. And I always think about it like this. There's, we have so much access to information. Technology has advanced so much. Don't you think that if there really was a one best diet, we would have cracked that code by now. Like we probably would have figured it out. Uh, and it just doesn't make sense when you, you back it up and think like logically, all the differences that we have in our environment, our personal preferences, our lifestyle, our habits, our mindset, our metabolisms, our hormonal profiles, like all these things that are unique to the individual. And if you just think about that logically, does it make sense that there's one approach that works for everybody across the board? Um, It just doesn't
0: match up. Yeah. Where, Where does personality fit though? Because like, I feel like personality is a hard thing to define. Maybe you can clear that up for me because it's like, I know you have like introvert and extrovert, uh, and maybe there's like other ways like outgoing or shy, right? But where do you start to pick apart that piece to the whole diet thing?
1: Yeah, so I look at that purely from a compliance standpoint, right? The objective is what can you do consistently? And what can you do consistent consistently that doesn't require the mo- – like people talk about discipline and willpower, right? You have to have restraint and that's true. You do have to be able to flex those muscles when the time calls for it, but the objective is actually to rely on that as little as possible. So I looked at, look at it as how can we create some sort of, you know, consistency or compliance with as little, you know, use of discipline and willpower as possible. And that's where the personality really comes into play. So um, when, when we look at somebody's personality type, um, psychologists have has started to, I mean, they've, they've known this for a long time, but our personality traits give us insight into like our neurotransmitter balance, like the way that our brains are wired. Um, and neurotransmitters are literally responsible for everything in the body, every single, there's not a single bodily function or process that happens without neurotransmitters. So everything from emotion to mood to muscle contractions, movement, motor learning, coordination, Literally, all of that happens as a result of neurotransmitters. They're just chemical messengers sent from the brain that kind of tell us what to do. Um, And so when we understand somebody's personality traits, that gives us insight into their neurotransmitter makeup. And when we know that, it's easy to start to put together a protocol that will kind of fit in line with their personality type. So I'll give you a quick example. Uh, You know, an individual that's dopamine dominant they're, they're very, um, they're highly potentiated by any increase in dopamine, which is the pleasure seeking neurotransmitter. It's the reward center of the brain. So what that looks like is that individual is going to be a risk taker, they're going to be highly extroverted, um, outgoing, natural leader, they take up a lot of space, you know, they, they like to compete, they're very argumentative, they don't do well with authority. The reason is that, because they're so um, they're so motivated by that dopamine response, they're willing to sacrifice or take risks, you know, in the name of getting that dopamine hit that they crave. So they're more likely to kind of participate in like, you know, extreme sports or, you know, they would jump out of a plane or, you know, do something that maybe somebody who's more calculated wouldn't do because they're motivated by dopamine. That's the dominant neurotransmitter and kind of how they operate. So for them, setting like an aggressive goal and you know trying to go you know, more more intentionally after a goal is kind of in line with their personality type versus somebody who's not dopamine dominant um, somebody who maybe has higher anxiety lower serotonin they're going to be more calculated more organized more structured so if we think about from a compliance standpoint the dopamine dominant individual who likes to set aggressive goals who likes to compete who likes to win if i told them all right you know your goal is fat loss Um, here's what we're going to do we're going to put you on a very small deficit, maybe five to 10%. And we're going to ride this out. You know, it's going to take you 20 weeks to get to your goal. And we're going to take it one step at a time, very slow. Um, They're going to, they're going to leave, they're going to be bored. It's not like the way that their brain works. They need to feel like they're competing. They, you know, so we want to set them up with something that's more aggressive, that fits to their personality type. And that gives you the ability to get somebody to buy in on the front end. So for that person, it's like, all right, We have this, this goal that we want, even if it's somebody who has a lot of weight to lose, but you can set it up in kind of phases. So we're like, all right, phase one, we're going to go aggressively after this first 10 pounds and, and that gets them to buy in because that's going to potentiate them from a neurological standpoint, it triggers that dopamine release. They're like, okay, I have this aggressive goal that I'm going after. And, and then we can kind of give them what they need as far as making sure we're not risking any sort of like metabolic adaptation or any physiological sacrifices there. So it's like these three to four weeks, we're going hard, we're going 30% deficit, we're going to go after it. Um, And then we cater to that competitive nature. And we're like, you know, we need to, Go one to two weeks at maintenance, just to recalibrate, just to make sure that you know we're putting your body in the best position to succeed. And then we're going to go after like another blitz session for the next three to four weeks. So now you can just start to cater things to the individual um, as far as like you know food choices, how we structured things. A lot of that depends on individual context. Like you know sure. what do they enjoy? What's you know what's their training like? What's their background like? You know the, the typical procedure of of personalizing nutrition but from a compliance standpoint personality type kind of gives us insight into their brain it's like how can we start to think like this person thinks um, and give them what they what they desire so that they stay more consistent Um, and then you have somebody who like i said who might have more anxiety they're going to have lower serotonin serotonin is the neurotransmitter that calms us down it gives us that sense of well-being if serotonin is low anxiety is going to be higher. And the best cure for anxiety is predictability. Because if I know what's coming, and I have a plan, and I'm structured, and I'm, I'm very organized, then there's nothing that's unknown, right? So I, you know, there's no novelty, which would increase anxiety even further. So for that person, yeah, something that's like repetitive, the same numbers every day, a very small deficit, if they're trying to lose fat, you know, they like to know everything as far in advance as possible. So, you know, we're going to give them a plan that's, very well thought out, very structured, organized, give them as much information as possible as far out in advance advanced as possible. Uh, and now that kind of caters to the way that their brain works, because we're easing that anxiety. If you're like, if you switch something on them last minute, they're gonna, that's gonna put them into a panic, like, Oh, my God, my plans changing last minute, I didn't expect this, I didn't plan for it, it throws them off their game. And I'm sure, you know, you can, you know, you know, somebody off the top of your mind, who's like, if their plan gets messed up, they're like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. They, they lose it. They're not very adaptable because of the yeah. fact that they have low serotonin and they need that structure and that organization. So that's just kind of, you know, two of, we, we actually have five different personality types, the way that we kind of do things and, and help set up um, the nutrition protocols. But those are like two ends of the spectrum where you have the one who's more aggressive, uh, likes you know more goal oriented. Then you have the one who's more calculated, more structured. And that would kind of give you an idea of how to get that compliance and that consistency um, based off of personality type.
0: Yeah. So as you were going through that, I, I guess I'm, I'm curious about people who might have crossover uh, personality types, right? Where it's like, When it comes to maybe nutrition because of like past beliefs, maybe they're more uh, hesitant. They're not as aggressive because maybe they've developed this belief that they can't do it, right? Because they've tried so many things in the past and it hasn't worked. Uh, Maybe their personality when it comes to fitness and, and health is a little more timid. And then maybe in like parts of their life, they're more aggressive, right? Maybe it's like when it comes to making money, they're like super hardcore alpha male and then when it comes to losing fat, they're kind of more like eh, reserved, you know, cautious, need like, you know, different, different things. I'm curious, so is there a crossover like that or, or is it maybe just like underlying issues that need to be tweaked and then all of a sudden their personality starts to shine? Yeah, so
1: what happens is we all have different learned behaviors, the way that we were raised, our upbringing, our life experiences, right? So that's going to play a large role as well. We have, you know, kind of the genetics that is, we have like a dominant profile that we're just kind of, that's how we were born. That's, that's kind of the nature of what it is. And that um, doesn't really, that's not going to change as far as like what's your dominant personality type. However, it can certainly show up like you mentioned, where through past experience, uh, through the way they are raised, like if, if we talk about the example I gave of the individual who's dopamine dominant and they're very outgoing and extroverted and um, they don't like to follow a plan, they like to do their own thing, uh, you know, free spirit. But if they were, you know, maybe Uh, raised in a religious household where there was a lot of structure or maybe they went into the military where there was a lot of structure and now all of a sudden that's kind of against their personality type but they learned Mm -hmm. through you know through experience that okay I can I can follow a plan I can have some structure in my life so that might show up differently in that individual Um, so the way that I look at it is it creates awareness and it gives you a starting point but like Mm -hmm. everything else just like when we look at studies and it shows, you know, on average, this is what happened. It still has to pass the real life test. And so it's like, let's see, you know, this gives us a good starting point, but let's see how this holds up against the real life test, which is we put it into practice and we see, you know, what worked well, what didn't, and how can we tweak that? So, you know, as with anything, and that's really like the main point that I was trying to drive home with the book is that we have to factor in the individual across the board. So we can't just say, just because you're this personality type, this is the best way for you to eat and train. And there's no changing that at all. You just have to fit within this way of doing things. It's not like that. We have to, it gives us a starting point. It gives us an idea. It gives us a way that maybe we can create better adherence and and compliance. However, like I said, it has to pass the real life test. So, you know, what is your work situation? What are your relationships like? Um, You know, what are your past experiences? How can we use all the information at our disposal to come up with the best approach for that individual, and I also think when you understand those concepts, uh, you, you believe that this whole path to cookie cutters and templates and one size fits all, you realize um, just how short sighted it is, and you realize the need uh, for for individualization when it when it comes to something as complex as nutrition and human metabolism, um, and and even layering in like the psychology of things, because you know. A lot, of, a lot of nutrition, a lot of fitness is is mindset first. Yeah. And, and so it just, you know, it becomes very obvious that we need to take an individual approach across the board. Um, understanding your personality type creates awareness. It gives you a starting point. It helps you understand some of your tendencies, some of your strengths and weaknesses, and lets you kind of play to your strengths and, and overcome some of your weaknesses, like I said, through that awareness piece. Um, but, th- but at the end of the day, everything that we do has to hold up to the real life test.
0: Sure. So if people are unsure about their personality type, what's the process to find out, like, hey, what is my personality? Yeah,
1: so uh, what we do is we have a um, questionnaire that we give everybody. It's 100 questions, so it's pretty thorough and it helps understand like it'll break down how you score with each personality type so like i said there's five profiles it'll show you like this was your dominant profile this was your secondary profile and this was your score across the board and that way it gives us kind of information on um, you know the overall person and not just like okay we know what their dominant profile is so we're going to give them a plan you know based off of that um, it just helps customize things a little bit further uh, but there's a lot of different kind of personality tests out there as far as if you just want some insight into like you know a little bit more information about yourself like there's the the Cloninger model um, there's the braverman assessment that's a, oftentimes used in like psychology practices or when you've ever done like a job interview and you had to do a personality test typically they'll use one of those two um, there's Myers-Briggs you know is another one um, you can start to and you can you know do some own, your own research if if you start to look at you know personality traits that you have and what that says about your neurotransmitter balance you'll start to see some connections as far as you know dopamine dominance versus serotonin dominance uh, versus adrenaline dominance or you know if you're very emotional you might have high levels of glutamate uh, which is the neurotransmitter that's like our emotional amplifier Uh, and so somebody who's like very um, athletically gifted they're they pick up skills very quickly. They have strong motor coordination. They they like to multitask. They they typically have high levels of acetylcholine because that's the neurotransmitter responsible for those things, for uh, for motor learning, for brain communication. Um, so they're the person that can do a bunch of different tasks at once, um, and they can pick up skills very fast, you know, very quickly. So if you show them, uh, you know, this is how you do something. It's a very complex topic or a very complex lift or something that. Most people would need a lot of practice and they just banging out first try. Um, Typically that's gonna be somebody with high levels of acetylcholine. Um, The cool part about all of that is nutrition is like the best tool that we have for optimizing neurotransmitter balance. So I know that if I have somebody who's dopamine dominant, I wanna protect their dopamine system If they have, if they are desensitized to dopamine, or they or they deplete their dopamine, they're going to feel like crap. They're going to have no motivation. They're going to have brain fog, fatigue, low sex drive. Um, So with nutrition, we know high protein, higher fat. That's going to increase dopamine. Um, That's going to favor the transport of L tyrosine, which is an amino acid. That's the building block for dopamine. So um, simple you know, nutrition kind of tips or tricks, whatever you want to call it, something like serotonin, like I said, if you have high anxiety, increasing serotonin is important. And, you know, if we have protein and carbs versus protein and fat, protein and carbs in a meal is going to favor the transport of L-tryptophan, which is a building block for serotonin. So now we're kind of optimizing your your brain chemistry, which helps like mood stability. It helps kind of your individual situation. So, you know, as we assess what's going on kind of emotionally or what's going on inside your brain? Like, are you more anxious or are you somebody who's more outgoing and and aggressive and more um, extroverted? Then we can kind of decide on some, some nutritional,
0: um, you know, ways, strategies to optimize your brain chemistry. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense Do people. I guess, I don't know if you've worked with people long enough to know, like, does this change? Like for, for some people, like, like, let's say I start out with like a, I mean, I know you said the genetic uh, component to this obviously gives you a, a starting point um, and you have a kind of a baseline layer to your personality. But if someone starts a program and let's say they're like, you know, more uh, serotonin uh, dominant, right? Do you see any shift like to like, okay, now they are more dopamine dominant or is this kind of pretty stable for most of their, their time? Yes. Yeah, so the the
1: goal is that when you have this kind of neurotransmitter balance and we have to understand neurotransmitters are like hormones, it's gonna fluctuate, the levels are gonna fluctuate. The goal is that you're always kind of coming back to homeostasis and even homeostasis looks different for each individual. And that's why like somebody who's dopamine dominant, their homeostasis is lower levels of dopamine, higher levels of serotonin and GABA. They're very calm at rest. They're not, you know, they can, um, if you think of like an Olympic lifter, They're somebody who's who's dopamine dominant because they can turn on in a second and then they can turn off like if you see them before a lift they're like almost sleeping they get up they throw up like you know whatever it is 400 pounds over their head they get all amped up they throw the bar down and then they're back like chilling in their chair like falling asleep again so their the goal is to be able to come back to baseline or come back to homeostasis very quickly the biggest disruptor of that is stress Just like with hormones, you know, if somebody the the objective like we all have different hormonal profiles, the goal is that, you know, we see these fluctuations based off of, you know, what the situation calls for. So if we're under stress, we want to see a cortisol spike. Like if we're about to go train, we want to see cortisol increase. But the objective is for it to come back down to baseline. if we have chronic stress, that's going to be a big disruptor for both your hormonal profile and for your neurotransmitter balance. So that's one of the things where we start to see those shifts for somebody who might be more um, dopamine dominant. All of a sudden they're going through like chronic periods of stress. Um, they, be, they could potentially become more adrenaline dominant because of the fact that dopamine um, or adrenaline, I'm sorry, is fabricated downstream from dopamine. So we need dopamine to produce adrenaline. If they're chronically under stress and we know that adrenaline is responsible um, as part of that stress response in the body now all of a sudden they're pulling all of those resources from dopamine to adrenaline Um, so we start to see some some shifts when people are under chronic stress Uh, and that's really like the biggest disruptor of homeostasis across the board really Um, and so ultimately all things can you know all things normal Um, you're not going to see somebody's personality, as far as like their neurotransmitter balance shift dramatically, except for under periods of chronic stress. The objective is to kind of stay within your nature, the way that you're wired. Um, you have these fluctuations, which are natural, but then things kind of come back to baseline. So that's really the goal with each person, person and why, um, you know, the whole concept of like managing stress it gets hammered home a lot from people like you and myself and other you know practitioners who, who know what they 're talking about there 's a good reason for that because that 's really the biggest disruptor of homeostasis
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense um, so you wrote the book inside the book what what do you cover in the book let 's talk about like a general uh, understanding of what people would get inside the book
1: yeah, for sure um, so i, I kind of start I, I open up the book by just for lack of a better term, shitting on the diet industry um, and basically talking about uh, why it's such a flawed system. Uh, looking at the success rate of traditional dieting, which, you know, a lot of people have heard the statistic that 95% of diets fail. That's because most people regain weight after they lose it. Um, six out of seven people who attempt to lose weight will successfully lose weight. Uh, it's just that 95% of them will gain it back and some plus interest within three years. So just looking at the fact that we're kind of working with the a flawed system. And that all diets are basically a different version of the same thing, which is trying to outline a set of rules that everybody has to follow. So it's like, you know, there's really no way around it. When you talk about traditional diets, it's like, here's our way of doing things. You either fit into our system or you don't. Uh, And I try and open up kind of the, the path of individual Variants when it comes to nutrition and fitness, and then um, I go into some of the personality stuff, really from just like a high-level view. um, Try to give like a thirty-thousand-foot view of of what we've been talking about, how personality types in you know influence your ability to stay consistent, but really breaking down like other individual variables and considerations. I think one of the most overlooked is personal preference. Like, do you actually enjoy eating the way that you're eating? A lot of times, people get caught up like in stuff like the raw carnivore diet, but like, do you actually (laughs) enjoy eating raw meat? And if the answer is no, then why are you eating that way? Um, If you're somebody who's like, yes, I love eating raw meat, that just lights me up every day, then maybe that's the right approach for you. But it's just understanding, you know, individual differences and like stuff, like personal enjoyment and life experience. And do you like to be social? Do you like to have a drink on occasion? Do you like to have, you know, date night or you know, Pete's family pizza night on Friday, whatever the case may be. Um, And then I start to kind of shift more into um, what I consider like my wheelhouse, which is the psychology side of things and the mindset side of things. So helping people understand a lot of the um, common hurdles from a mindset perspective, and how to approach things a little bit differently. So getting into like fixed versus growth mindset, how to foster and encourage more of a growth mindset, if you feel like you have a fixed mindset in your fitness, which would be like, you're like, this was just the, the, the hand I was dealt and there's nothing I can do about it. That's a very fixed mindset. And we know from research and from the literature that you're much more likely to succeed in your fitness if you have a growth mindset. So that would basically be the thought that you have control over your destiny. Um, and kind of piggybacking off of that, I get into a whole chapter on neuroplasticity, which is a concept where we can actually change the neural connections that happen in our brain is pretty cool because for a long time it was believed that these like neural pathways were were fixed that mm-hmm. it's just throughout our our brain development happens and then that's just it our brains kind of are the way that they are and we have these these fixed you know neural neural pathways that exist and these neural connections that happen there's not really much we can do about it Um, we've since discovered that's not the case at all that our brains are very plastic it's very malleable so we do have a lot of control over actually rewiring our brains which is a very empowering thing to think about because it gives you a lot of control and an example would be that you know if you perceive yourself in a certain way um, that doesn't have to be your reality so you know your perception of yourself as being undisciplined or somebody who just can't track macros or somebody who just can't be successful with their weight loss goals. Um, all of these things are, are controllable by your mindset and you can actually rewire your brain so that this, this um, neural pathway connects itself to make you believe those things about yourself. So in other words, you could take uh, an individual who believes that they're just not disciplined or that maybe they can't control themselves around sugar and actually rewire your brain to then believe that you have total control and that sugar is not an issue for you. And you can exist, uh, you know, very happily with sugar around and not let it derail your progress. Um, just as an example. And that's, that's kind of this concept of neuroplasticity, which is that we can actually rewire our brain, change our perception and change our reality as a result. Um, so I, I focus heavy on the mindset side of things. Um, talking about, Like I said growth versus fixed mindset talking about neuroplasticity and then I get into more of like some of the basics of like the fundamentals of nutrition and then I I leave I kind of end the book with two chapters one on macros and and food you know budgeting and tracking your food and intake and then one on intuitive eating Hmm. Um, and that was very intentional because this is another debate that gets thrown around in fitness circles all the time it's like well you should be tracking macros because it's impossible it's impossible to be intuitive if you don't have any awareness around portion sizes and what's in your food and then there's the other camp that's like your body knows best just listen to your body you know tracking macros is obsessive and it's not necessary my philosophy is that they're both tools that we should have in our toolbox. And it depends on context, but we should all be able to do both and be able to flip between the two whenever we feel that it's right for our goals and and the situation. Um, So rather than having, again, this is like this argument where it's like, which one is right? Well, they're both right. It just depends on the context. Um, So it's like, they're both tools. It just depends on what you're using them for. Um, You know, a hammer works great if I'm trying to hammer in a nail, but I'm trying to like saw a piece of wood, a hammer is not the best tool. So it's like having a versatile toolbox. And, and I feel like those are two that everybody should know, um, know how to listen to their body, know how to eat intuitively, but they should also know how to track macros and, and have awareness around, you know, food labels and portion sizes and what, you know, macros make them feel their best. And, and there's value to both of those things. Um, and being able, like I said, to kind of move in between the two based off of what you're trying to accomplish,
0: um, it can be a really valuable process. Yeah, that that debate always makes me I don't want to say laugh it just kind of makes me wonder like why why are we so uh black and white right it's um this is uh issue across the board we're seeing it right now with um the virus that we're dealing with as a world right um you know there's one side of the camp that's like oh we should be stuck at home for the next year and let's play it safe and like let's let the government give us money and keep us afloat till, you know, blah, 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 gets a vaccine and all this stuff. Right. And then the other camp is like, Hey, let's go back to work. This virus isn't dangerous. It's just like the flu. You guys are being weak. You're soft. Right. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Right. In reality, there's probably a gray area and there is probably parts of the world that need one side or the other. Right. Like there might be a County in United States that has no cases that, are full of hardworking people that need to go back to work. Otherwise they're going to be devastated by, you know, the economic situation. That's an example of something where they would go back to work versus New York city, which is overrun with the virus and people are dying like crazy. Right? So the same is true with this whole intuitive versus macros. Um, I do think you're spot on, man. Like I think ultimately it's two things in the toolbox that can be used at various points in your journey um, because it, it goes back to like a, fo- a foundational issue where people think that fitness is like a temporary thing. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to track macros and I don't want to do this for like, you know, forever, but I'm just going to do it for three months. And it's like, yeah, but okay, cool. What are you going to do after that? Like what, you know, cause this thing keeps going, the wheel keeps turning, whether you're on it or not you know, your body is going to accumulate calories and do what it needs to do with those calories despite you tracking or not tracking. Right. So it's like, I I see, I see what you mean. And I I couldn't agree more. I think there is a a time and place for everything. Um, And education is the foundational piece that people need to have. Yeah. Yeah. And you brought up a, a great point. It's the fact that we often associate a
1: deadline with our fitness, with our nutrition. And sometimes it it's removing the finish line and having goals it, goals are important right they they keep us motivated they keep us accountable uh, we have something to strive for uh, and i think it's just this thought that all right well i'm going to do this until i reach this goal and that's like the end point that's really just the starting point right as right. you know and i think that's that the that's, next starting point right exactly so yeah. um it's this thought and and like you said about the gray area Everything exists in the gray area, but we as humans are are kind of wired to think in dichotomous terms. Like we love this black versus white mentality because of of how we evolved. Like we needed certainty uh, from from an evolutionary standpoint. Like anything that wasn't certain was a potential threat. So our brains like crave that certainty. And if there if it's not like one thing or the other, we kind of lo- we we have a hard time with the gray area. But the reality is that most things exist in that gray area. So it's almost Almost like we're we're fighting against a um, an outdated software that we need to actively overcome, and it's again like being able to take a step back and see that. Well, if I'm in this for life, shouldn't I have the tools to get me through this for life? And Uh, So it's not about what can I do to get this weight off as fast as humanly possible. And then once that happens, I'm going to go back to my old ways. Well, the old ways are what got you in the place where you were unhappy to begin with. So let's look at what we can do to get you there in a way that you feel good about that you feel like you can sustain forever. And that's really the ultimate goal, whether it be times where you have to get more, um, there's more restriction required or more sacrifices to be made. Yeah, it just depends on how far you want to take it or what your goals are. But um, at the end of the day, day, you should feel good about where you can maintain your progress and feel like, okay, I know that if nothing else, I can do this for the rest of my life. So this is kind of my, my baseline level, and then I can decide on where to take it from there.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you put it per- perfectly. I mean, that that's, you know, it's like a video game, you know, it's like people, uh, you know, play like, you know, Grand Theft Auto or something like that, and you have like these checkpoints throughout the game where, you know, as soon as you finish one phase of the game, well, there's new skills now that you can learn to get to the next level. And people might make the argument, well, yeah, but don't you win the game at some point? Yes, but guess what happens next? They come out with a new game, right? (laughs) There's Grand Theft Auto 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. And like, it keeps, you know, changing because it's a forever cycle. It's just there's little mini cycles within the big one. Um, And yeah, fitness doesn't have an expiration date. Um, It just has the next checkpoint. And the beauty of it is, and you know, this is something we all have to, where I'm sure you would, you would agree where we get stuck in this like mode of like, okay, it's track macros or nothing. Right. But then when you start to just like educate yourself on the other ways, like intuitive eating or portion control or, you know, timing of food, there are, there's work that goes into all methods, right? There's work mentally that goes into everything just cause tracking macros, is tedious doesn't mean that someone else won't think that intuitive eating is tedious. You know, we all have things we need to learn. Like you said, the personality types, you know, my personality might jive really well with tracking macros. In fact, it does. Like I, I do really well with tracking macros when I'm not tracking. I tend to just go, Oh, that jar of Nutella has zero calories. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. My body needs this, man. I just ran a few miles, even though I know it's total bullshit you know, I, I, I do better when I have numbers, right? I'm analytical, like, okay, cool. This is what I'm going to hit. And it's like a puzzle, but I get it for some people. That's too tedious. But then for me though, like the real tedious part is like, holy shit, if I have to be intuitive, I could do it for sure. But I'm going to feel a little more stress. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but it doesn't mean I can't like go on vacation and be intuitive because in that scenario, being intuitive feels good because it's at least something to keep me on track. Right. I don't have, the, the mental capacity to track every macro or look, I don't want, I don't want to most importantly. Um, and so I, but I can look at my plate and go, okay, I'm eating about 600 calories right now. Totally cool. Cause I'm burning 3000 today. You know what I mean? That, that yeah. type of,
1: yeah and then you always have that anchor to go back to and I think that's yeah. important like you've you've developed that skill set over time and even though like you said it, there's always challenges it's always it's always going to be difficult and there's always going to be problems that arise but it's like choose your hard right if you look at what's difficult You know, is it is it difficult to to learn how to track? Is it difficult to stay consistent? Sure, but it's also difficult to be unhappy. And it's also difficult to, to not have confidence. And then, you know, that kind of comes back to, like, what's your motivation in the first place? And a lot of times, and this is something I get into in the book, a lot of times we have this extrinsic motivation. It's it's the external goal. It's the I'll be happy when I lose, you know, 10 pounds, I'll be happy when even outside of fitness, like when I make a certain amount of, you know, six figure salary or seven figure salary, whatever it is. And we set these external goals and we associate that with internal fulfillment. And then we get there and we realize that it wasn't what we thought it was. So we, we either do one of two things. We either self-sabotage because now we have a, a, a carrot to chase again, or we just push the goal post back even further. So I was like, ah, I must not have been 10 pounds. It must have been 20 pounds, or it must have been, uh, you know, multiple seven figures. That'll make me happy happy. Uh, when we can start to internalize our motivation, have an intrinsic motivator. And we know this from research as well. very strong research on intrinsic motivators are much more de- uh, dependable than extrinsic. So if something comes up that derails you and you have a weak internal motivation for why you're doing this, you're more likely to give up. If yeah. you have a strong internal motivation, as far as you can actually associate the process with how it makes you feel, um, the benefits to you internally outside of anything else that is, you know, kind of out of your control, like the number on the scale is, is kind of out of your control, In, you know, to a certain extent, um, how other people perceive you is out of your control what you can control is you know it's the internal it's will this give me more energy more confidence feel better about myself Um, and then you can start to apply that to other areas of your life well if i feel better about myself will that improve my relationship will that improve my sex life right you start to have these internal motivators for why you want to do this Um, will this allow me more time with my kids or can i be more active in life in general can i have more experiences that i'm going to enjoy so now all of a sudden you have this strong internal driver for why you're doing in the first place, which will get you through the hard times like you talk about. Um, But ultimately, we have this belief that If we could just like solve our problems then life would be great, but we know that if you solve your problems new problems come up like there's no such thing as a life without problem and we wouldn't want a life without problems anyway because that would be a very shallow existence like think about the video game example. If you play Grand Theft Auto and you just won by showing up and you never you never got killed in the game and you never had to figure out like you never had challenges that you had to overcome nobody would play the game. Right. So nobody really wants a life without challenge or without problems. It's sometimes we think, oh, if I could just solve this problem, then life would be smooth sailing. And that's not the case because new problems just come up. And even if they didn't, we would create new problems because we literally need that to exist and feel value and and have purpose. So, um, you know, those are some of like the mindset things that I typically see where there's a strong dependence on that external motivation and, and trying to shift that perspective to like, how can we create those anchors? How can we create that internal driver that's going to carry you through all of those difficult times? Yeah, I love that.
0: It's funny because, you know, when people ask like, what are the greatest sports moments in history, right? Like what for me, I know it was the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. Like that was crazy. But why was it so great, right? Was it because they win every year and they're just like dominant and they're like the best team ever? No, they didn't win for over 100 freaking years, right? Like, it took many, many years of suffering to get to that ultimate, like, euphoric state, right? And now, obviously, like, guess what? They won. What happened almost immediately after, right? All of a sudden we start creating problems again. Like, Oh, it's management. Now our management's terrible. Oh, we got to fire our, our head, our manager who just won the world series. Yeah. Right. Like, isn't it? A, I, I find it fascinating, but it's cool because when people, the, 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 the problem is we, we just don't realize it. Right. It's not, it's not reality for us yet until we start to look around and go, wow, fitness isn't much different than pretty much everything else in life. Right. With the sports example, you know, if you apply that to your, to your own set of you know, goals, it's like, okay, well, I'm always creating new problems for myself because I don't have a strong foundational piece inside of my, my, my internal motivation, right? Inside of my head to keep going. And, and the perfect opportunity to create something like that is like what we're in right now, right? A crisis, right? Where it's like, you're stuck at home. You have to face the mirror like all day. You know what I mean? You got to, and not just the physical mirror, but the the mental mirror of being like in silence, not being around coworkers, social isolation, those things force you to look inside. Right. And it's, I think, and I'm sure you'd agree, like it is the perfect time to create some of those anchors that you talk about, you know, that intrinsic motivation where it's like, man, I don't want to be faced with the possibility of dying from a fucking virus. Right. Like like I don't want someone to go, oh how how'd Josiah go out? Oh, well, the fucking coronavirus, right? Like that would be awful, but it's in my control. Like I sit here today in all oh, honesty, I I don't care about the virus in terms of my own health because I've taken care of myself, right? It doesn't scare me at all. But I I emphasize with so many people out there who are like legitimately worried about going outside because they're overweight, right? They're obese and they think, man, ninety percent of the people dying have underlying health issues, right? Like That's scary, but what can we then do to create that intrinsic motivation so that we don't have to worry about those things because we have such powerful anchors, you know what I mean?
1: yeah yeah and i think that that's one of the opportunities and and i know that this has been thrown around and it's almost become cliche where people are like oh there's an opportunity right now but i think there there has to be some silver lining there has to be some takeaway from this whole experience and i think to your point if we can create stronger anchors and stronger intrinsic motivators as a result of this then that's using it for something positive there's no like not to get too abstract or philosophical but there's no like absolutes as far as something that's either good or bad like we can look at a situation and we can even something that was like a traumatic experience and there's a whole uh there's a whole kind of area of research on post-traumatic growth where people can look back at their traumatic life experiences and be like yeah that was really difficult and that obviously left a profound impact on me and i wouldn't wish that on anybody else but It allowed me to grow as a person. They can actually find positives in the situation as for like what they were able to accomplish in life or what that did to them as a person, how they were able to overcome that and use it for good. Um, So when we just like look at we need bad experiences to to feel good. Like We need it. It's it's like success and failure. One can't exist without the other. They're not opposites. They're two sides of the same coin. It's just because if you don't have that contrast, then the other one doesn't exist. It's like if you think about like I'll use an easy example. Uh, If you were the only person on the world, on the planet, you were the only person on Earth, would you be short or tall? you wouldn't know because you have no comparison you need the you need like somebody that's shorter than you to say i'm tall it's just like you need failure to be successful it's not that oh, I want to avoid failure. It's that we should be grateful for failure because it allows success to exist. It's literally a prerequisite for success. And that's the same thing. We're talking about like experiences like this and people get so hung up on, yeah, it's awful people losing their life. That's horrible. However, those bad experiences need to exist for good to exist. Otherwise, we wouldn't have that contrast. We wouldn't have any frame of reference for what good feels like. So To your point now is the time to be able to take an experience like this and pull something away from it and and be able to reflect internally and say okay what can i what's like the silver lining here how can i use this to better my own situation or how can i use this to better myself Um, and creating some of those anchors or some of those intrinsic motivators is a great place to start it's like like you said we're we're faced with ourselves right now Uh, so it's a good time to reflect and think about what can, you know, I don't want to go through this. And that's one of the things that I've thought about. I don't want to go through this experience, which is unprecedented. It's something that, you know, it's, it's a crazy time right now. I just don't want to waste it as far as, all right, everything goes back to normal and I'm just back to the way that I was before this, because I, there is something to learn here, there is something to take away from it, there's always going to be a silver lining. So nothing's going to be absolute good or bad. Yes, we can look at the, the unfortunate parts of a situation and, and, you know, uh, feel a certain way about those. But then we have to be able to pull something out of it and use it as a tool for growth. It's just the same relationship as success and failure. You know, failure makes success possible, just like experiences like this allow you to understand um, how important it is for you to feel safe or feel healthy or feel, you know, fit, whatever that takeaway is for you to be able to apply that to your own situation.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, I think one of the things that uh, it kind of segue into getting your book, um, you know, this is a great opportunity for people to get more educated, right? Um, cause you know, despite what people say, I know there's like people out there preaching, like you have all the time in the world. Like, some people still have jobs at home and like kids and stuff to deal with. So maybe you don't have all the time in the world, but one thing you can start to do is figure out where you're spending your time. Right. You can start to analyze like, Hey, am I like watching TV a lot? Am I like sleeping in? Like, what am I doing where I could maybe carve out a little bit of time to learn about things that I need help with? Uh, and so like reading for me, you know, for a while there, like I would read a lot, but you know, I got a little bit out of the habit of reading as much as I would like. Um, so I'm carving out time before bed. Like, Hey, the last thing I do every day is I read. Right. Um, even if it's later, whatever I'm reading, cause it's part of the routine i want to have when i'm done with this right i don't want to like you said go back to normal and i'm like what did i even do while well, this has happened nothing's changed right um so to segue to that where where can people get your book um and how can they get your book uh right now
1: yeah so um and i totally agree i think creating that structure around your day is a, is a great thing to do because like I talked about earlier, our brains crave certainty and there's a lot of uncertainty right now. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen with the economy or what's going to happen with anything. Really. It's just, we're, we're all in the same position of just wondering when is this all going to end? So to create certainty, have a structure to your day, plan out the next 24 hours. You can control that. Uh, so give yourself that structure that your brain requires. Um, so, to transition. My book is at um, personalitydietbook.com. Um, that's the best place to go. Uh, I got some some gifts in there for anybody who, who goes to that uh, website. They can go to personalitydietbook.com, grab a copy. Right now it's like super cheap on, um, if you go there, there'll be a link and then you can just download like the Kindle version or you can get paperback, but um, it's mm-hmm. on a promotional price right now and there's some free gifts that are included with that.
0: So that's the best place to go. Awesome man yeah, I picked up a copy. Uh, I started reading through it, so I'm excited to finish it up I, I i actually I think that what you're doing and what you're talking about is is spot on um, and I think you know there's so many people out there that are still i mean I would say the vast majority are still trying to follow a cookie cutter approach um, because it's still you know the majority of marketing out there is geared around a fast you know overnight result that is based off extreme measures that is just trying to throw a bunch of people against the wall and see who sticks, right? If five out of 500 get a result, then they're going to use those five to market their crap, you know, and say it works for everybody. Um, I think there's just still, despite being in an information age, so much confusion around what works and what doesn't, or to take it a step further, the things that do work, how they can work for you specifically right um because a lot of things will work technically uh, but will it work for you your lifestyle your family your goals your you know personality type um and what you're going to find the most successful so dude I'm, I'm pumped to finish reading it uh and you know i appreciate your content because it's it's spot on man yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah.
1: And I think that it's because the, the diet industry is very smart, the marketing that goes into that. It's not just random. It's, yeah. it's very well thought out. And, and the truth is that it's very easy for humans to get caught up in the instant gratification. We all do it right if it's right in front of us and we can grab it now uh, that's very enticing versus saying oh you actually have to take some time to figure out what works best for you and it's going to be a little bit longer of a process and you know you might not get the immediate results that you want but it's going to be worth it in the long run like that's a hard sell versus playing on our emotional tendencies or our need for you know instant gratification so it's like hey this You know, program, protocol, whatever it may be, this is going to get you the fastest results right now. And we have all these case studies to show you and we're going to flash, uh, you know, 100 different transformation stories and pictures. And the problem is that there's no context there. So you don't know, you know, where that, you know, what actually happened after that you know was that like you said the definition of success well if they got results in three months and then six months after that they were back at square zero or square negative two like did was that successful um that was my reality like every single diet that i tried it worked for a short period of time but by definition it failed because i couldn't sustain it so for me my definition of success was can i actually sustain and maintain the results that i you know, had accomplished. And the fact was that I couldn't, based off of doing things in the traditional sense, but I kept falling for it, because it was the next thing. And then the next thing was like, this is the one that's going to get me the quick results. And sometimes it's just you have to realize it through experience, uh, that there's not going to be a quick fix, and that we should probably take the time to figure things out. Like we talked about, if we're in this for life, it's probably worth figuring out that lifelong solution for you as
0: an individual. I couldn't agree more, man. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, our stories are very similar with the nutrition side. You know, it wasn't until honestly I got educated, right? Like I started to actually figure out why these diets work for some people, why they don't work for others. Kind of like getting your book, you know, figure out the why, right? The, the, the the details, the behind the curtain, right? Like you just said it, you know, the most famous weight loss show on earth, biggest loser, um, you know, ninety-nine percent of the people who lose the weight on the show gain it all back, and you wouldn't know that if you just took the surface before and after and said, "Wow, oh my gosh, this person lost 150 pounds; it changed their life," and they're off and riding off into the sunset. What am I doing wrong? You know, I got to do this. Um, you know, you, you'd be short-sighted because you don't realize that now they're actually in a worse situation. It set them up for the worst rebound <laughs> ever. Um, and so, yeah, man, education I think is like the number one step is to figure out why this stuff works, why it doesn't work, and how I can apply it to my own life. And your book is perfect for that. Um, so it's the, you said personally, personality, diet, book.com. Yeah. Yeah. Just personalitydietbook.com. That's where they can get it. Sweet man. Where can they connect with you again? Just as a reminder. Yeah.
1: So, um, Instagram is, is an easy place to hit me up. It's just at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. I'm also, pretty active on Facebook. It's just my name, Mike Milner. Um, Anybody can, you know, send me a message, DM, whatever. Um, I respond to everything and I'm always happy to answer questions, connect and anytime I can, you know, point somebody in the right direction. I'm big on education too. So most of the time my answer is like, here, take a look at this like article or this book or something. I, I try to, you know, help steer people in the education direction as well, just because I'm like you, and that it, it really saved my life when I started educating myself. And I'm a big believer. A lot of this is another kind of tangent, but most diet programs don't explain the why behind what they're doing. Like, one of my favorite stories to tell is when I had a meal plan, I wasn't allowed to eat apples or carrots. And I remember being like, hey, um, why am I not allowed to? Like, these are two foods that I actually enjoy eating that I thought at the time were healthy. And I was like, hey, I'm trying to be healthy and fit. And, on my don't eat list, you have apples and carrots. Why is that? And the You're response not a that horse, I,
0: Mike. <laughs>
1: the, the answer that I got was just follow the plan. That's oh, it. And then I never, I never got a why. Um, obviously there wasn't a why behind that, but the point <laughs> is that most diets don't tell you why am I actually doing this? Like, what are we trying to accomplish here? So I'm a big believer in the education side as well. That's so crazy.
0: Yeah. We have, we all have our <laughs> diet horse stories. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Think of, the fact that we actually it's crazy though how and this is a like another quick tangent but based off your point people get intimidated thinking like oh my gosh i have so much to learn like there's so much that goes into this well i look at it like this like it wasn't that long ago that like you and i as the experts were following things that were total like like really stupid protocols right <laughs> because Absolutely. we thought like this made sense blah, blah blah so it wasn't that long ago that we were doing things and probably preaching things that were like not that smart or at least not that uh, you know, sustainable. And uh, so in a short period of time, we've now built up a lot of other protocols that work really, really well, long term lifestyle stuff. Uh, And so when people are like, Oh man, I have to learn all this stuff. Well, it's not gonna take that long, right? Because you may not want to coach thousands of people like we do. You just want to get your own shit together, right? So like if we can figure out all this stuff to help thousands, uh, and who have different needs and different lifestyles in a rather short period of time, less than a decade, you can figure this out really, really quick uh, with just a little bit of elbow grease and like a dedication to, to the education part. Uh, and before you know it, you'll be like a, a rock star and an expert for your own stuff, which is right. really the most important part. <laughs> you know, serving others starts with serving ourselves, making sure we have what we need. So uh, there can be a quick turnaround when it comes to getting on the right track.
1: And there's no better ROI.
0: Yeah. yeah. ROI. I mean, now I, now I can sleep at night knowing, you know, I'll never be overweight again uh, or worry about, you know, having to lose thou, you know, tons and tons of fat. I might have to lose five, 10 pounds here and there just cause it's the, the, the allowance I give myself, but I'll never not know how to do it. And I'll never uh, be confused again uh, because I took the time to learn it. Uh, and my clients can say the same thing, which is awesome. So like, yeah, a good, like I said, first step is getting educated, picking up a book, reading it, diving in, seeing how does this apply to my life, um, and starting to apply those principles, uh, and a lot can change very quickly. Um, So, appreciate you, man. I'm excited for people to get the book. I'm pumped that you have it out, and uh, yeah, man, it's gonna be good stuff. Yeah, thanks so much for, for having me on. This is fun. Of course, brother. Anytime. All right, guys, that's it. Talk to you soon, brother. Thank you for listening to the True Transformation Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review and subscribe to the show. True Transformation.